Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of our Business Benchmark Group podcast. In today's uh, episode, we're going to be sharing with uh, Patrick Lamana, a young business owner, a, business, a multi-generational, I guess, uh, business owner. Business is running in the blood of, I guess, uh, Patrick Lamana, who leads and, and he's growing the business called Lamana Direct. He uh, he shared and uh, ultimately uh, shared with us, I guess, the, uh, the importance of not owning but managing and ultimately growing a business with so many, I guess, stakeholders who are, uh, I guess, in the generational business that he's in, being so successful in their journeys and in their, I guess, chapters of the book called The Lamana Group in total. But uh, Patrick, as, as young as he is, he's uh, phenomenally advanced and no surprises as to his views and his sharings and his and his concepts when it comes to, you know, growing and leading and ultimately evolving a, a business that is definitely a benchmark business. So I look forward to uh, the sharing and uh, I guess uh, your feedback as and when uh, you're, uh, you're listening to this uh, podcast. I'm Stefan Kazakas, Patrick Lamana, Lamana Direct. I've been, uh, again, I've been privy to know this family, not, again, I've, I've never met Patrick and his father before, but, but Lisa, one of the aunties, and, 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 and Pat, the grandfather, the patriot, the, the guy who started the whole thing um, as a dream, as a migrant of, um, you know, the, was it the 50s, Pat, or? 48. 1948, you know. Pat Lamana, the grandfather, for which many of us, I'm sure, are aware, are aware of, but if you're not, just Google and you'll just find out. He has an OAM. That's how critical his work has been, not only to his business, but his family, which are probably the other way around. His family, his business, and ultimately the community. The guy um, has done an amazing, an amazing journey, and, and he continues to. But Patrick Lamana, these are the fast facts, right? A third-generation operator, not just someone that was given the silver spoon, and here you go, buddy. I understand and I know how hard it is to be a son of a successful business owner, for which now you need to be stepping up to the plate and doing it, right? So a third-generation operator of his family, 7,500 square metre, not square feet, square metre, supermarket business in, called Lamana Direct. Leading a team of 250, leading. Patrick and his family run the operation seven days a week. Lamana Direct has created a food experience for people from all over Melbourne. And if you haven't been, you will want to go. This is not sugarcoating what we're trying to do here this morning. This is like, you want to think about being benchmark and being a little bit different in an industry that you just need to be a little more edgy? This is a place you've got to go and visit and just get some ideas for your own business, regardless of industry. Does that make sense? And we're going to hear a little bit more about that from Patrick. In a very difficult industry to compete in, Lamana Direct proves how success in business doesn't not, does not need to come by focusing on what works in other businesses, but focusing on what the other businesses are not doing and confirming that competitive gap and filling it and making it your own, which confirms your reputation of being the go-to business as an alternative. Does that make sense? Find out what your competitors are not doing that they should be doing that the market needs because it's got to be all relative, right? And find that gap and go and fill it. Own it. Believe in it and drive a 
know, 250 people deep to it, you watch what happens, how the 2,000 and 5,000 and the 10,000 people come. No further ado, Patrick Lamana from Lamana Direct. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much. Uh, firstly, um, just before listening to Stefan talk there, talk about uh, trust. Uh, I haven't written that down in my uh, speech today, but I find that in our business, if we don't have trust um, in our staff and our suppliers, it just cannot work. We, um, I'll tell you a bit about, about a situation with us recently. We had a refrigeration supplier um, who was one of three tendering for a job, and the one I wanted to go with um, didn't end up getting the job based on trust. Uh, throughout the conversations with the different suppliers, I found that this in particular, or this particular one would do anything to get my business, um, which, believe it or not, is not what I really want. I want the right product, um, of course at the right price, and uh, definitely for the long term. Um, what they were trying to provide me was, um, I guess, a belief that their product was superior. Now, that product definitely was not superior. We had three different companies. I had my refrigeration company go over all different products and tell me, yes, this price might be, sorry, this price might be better to begin with, but over the next two years, you're gonna spend more money on repairs, servicing, and cost of refrigeration. When I sat there with the supplier, I spoke to the owner directly, um, and he, he's an owner of a worldwide business. He said to me, why don't you want my product It's cheaper? I said, it's not about being cheaper. I want the best product for my business. I don't want what's cheapest and what's going to save me money now. It's going to cost me twice to run, twice the amount to run over the next two years, and I'm going to have headaches. And for those who are in refrigeration or any business based around refrigeration, it is, it's, it's very difficult. It's sleepless nights. It's getting up in the middle of the night for an alarm. It's um, loss of stock. It's, it's critical. And uh, end up being, obviously, I didn't go with that company and the next job that we had, which was really, I actually traveled to Italy to go look at their product. Again, I didn't use them. Again, their product was uh, aesthetically better. I preferred the look of it. The price was better, and I knew when I put it in, it was gonna work well from the beginning. But there was no trust there, so I didn't wanna actually use them for that purpose. And when I did actually send them an email to say, you didn't get this job either, they didn't even respond to my email. I said, thank you for your, for your time. Um, the door's not closed, you never know. I've received no response. And to me, that just tells me, I don't want to deal with these guys. They can bring in another, another manager or another uh, field team. I won't deal with them because the trust is not there. For them, they just wanted to, be, wanted to sell me a product that was profitable for them and wasn't great for me. So with suppliers, we've got 600 of them. And I'd probably say 550 of them, we trust. The other 50... We're a little bit on edge with them just because they go about things the wrong way. And without that trust, we can't make it work. It's the same thing with my, with my, my customers. I already, always tell the suppliers that we deal with who don't do the right thing by us, or there's no trust, or there's no service. How would it be if I treated my customers like that? They would tell their friends, they would tell their family, and we'd start to lose people. Let's start talking bad about our business. But to our suppliers, they... They don't see it the same way. I need my customers. To them, my suppliers, they know that I need them because I need to buy their, their pasta or their water or their sauce. But that's where a lot of our suppliers go wrong. And if any of you guys in here are actually wholesalers, 
You need to start thinking that way. <clears throat> From our end, as a retailer, in dealing with so many suppliers, we find that um, if that trust isn't there, it's not going to work. We'll look alternative to an, for an alternative. I've got one right now who is providing me a product that I need in my business. My customers are buying it. I'm selling thousands a week. But I don't want to deal with them. They don't, they don't um, respect us. And to be honest, there's no respect back. I tried to work on that respect. It didn't work. I'm going to find an alternative. If I have to go across the globe to find an alternative, I will. So as a supplier, as a wholesaler, eventually your customers, being the retailers, they're going to do the same to you. You need to look from their perspective, just the same way that we do when we look at what our customers are seeing. Well, we've been wholesalers before. We used to supply uh, the two major supermarkets in Australia wide with bananas. So that was our previous business, wholesaling bananas, and there was definitely no trust. And sorry to any of you who have worked at the two big um, the major supermarkets, but I'm sure you'll know how they work. There was no trust. There was no support. All there is is their agenda, and uh, if they kill your business, it doesn't matter. You know, um, as a wholesaler, that's, there's nothing worse. And now, from our end, as a, custom, as a customer to our wholesalers, we respect them because we know if they can't make money, we shouldn't be making money. If we, we can't just take from them and not give anything back. I'm not going to screw a supplier and say, you know, that's one do- you charge me one twenty, the majors are selling at $1, give it to me $1, or, you know, go elsewhere. That's not right. I know that the majors are putting them in a, in a position where they have to do it. I don't want to treat them like that because they're going to come back around one day and they're going to put something else up. They're going to put a price up here and I, I won't even know about it. So uh, it's important that we, we respect our suppliers as much as we do our customers. Um, our business has been going for uh, five years this month. Oh, sorry, next month. Um, it's been a, a, a really quick uh, five years and um, really slow at the same time. Uh, we've been going from strength to strength every year. We're having great growth, and it's not because of what the other people are doing, the other, the other retailers. We look at what they're not doing, and we try and do that better. The customer service is that, is that main focus. Um, give you a bit of a background about uh, my family. Um, this is my grandfather, Pasquale, otherwise known as Pat. Uh, he came out here in '48 um, by himself, uh, well, actually with his brother, but his brother... Being a deaf mute, was unable to work, so he had to support himself as a 16-year-old. Within four years, he opened up his first fruit shop in Preston, uh, Murray Road. So um, he was driven to become successful. Um, naturally, family is most important, but during that period, if he didn't work his butt off and work seven days a week, 15 hours a day, he couldn't make it work. And uh, within, a, I think it was about 20 years, he had eight fruit shops throughout Melbourne. He was a pioneer. He was the first uh, retailer in Australia to actually open up a self-serve fruit shop. For those of you who, who, those of you who might remember, back in the day, uh, you actually had to be served by the retailer. They would pick your fruit and veg for you and bring it to you and you'd pay. Um, when he did start that, uh, I'm not sure what year it was, but people thought he was crazy. What are you doing, Pat? You can't open up a fruit shop where people touch the fruit themselves. and um, It's unhygienic. It's unheard of. He proved them wrong pretty quickly. Um, and that's the, the, the chance he took. He could have ruined his business. But it's about taking that chance and trying something different. Um, in about 1972, I believe it was, uh, my grandfather was looking at bananas. 
Bananas being the number one seller in all supermarkets in Australia uh, for a fresh produce item. And he became a banana wholesaler. Originally it was called Lamana is Bananas. Um, it quickly turned to Lamana Bananas just by coincidence. Obviously the name went, worked well. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Mana means uh, food sent from heaven. Um, it comes from the First uh, Testament, um, or the Old Testament, sorry, when the Israelite, Israelites were um, trekking through the desert and they needed food, and God sent them food. So it just, it's just by coincidence that it kind of happened that way, and it really, I guess it makes sense. Um, we don't plan it a lot, but it kind of, to those who do know, it's a, it's a quirky thing. Uh, when my grandfather did come out here, I think there is a better picture here somewhere I'll quickly show you. Uh, this is the terminal where he arrived. So the old Essendon Airport, which is where we are, um, he arrived at this terminal. He came by a plane, which is unusual back in those days, because of his brother. If his brother came into the country as a deaf mute on, uh, via the sea, they would have sent him back. So he had to um, make sure they came by a plane to, I guess, pre pretend to the Australian people that we had wealth and we were going to bring plenty to the community. When he arrived at the terminal, he walked through and he stood right here. I'm not sure how he got from there to wherever he went. Um, but the first thing he saw, again, just by fate, is our, fruit, our supermarket right there. Complete coincidence. We didn't pick that site for our business, but just by chance he walked out and the first thing he saw, my office is somewhere around here, that's what he saw. It's just, um, I guess it's kind of brought, it, brought him back to where he first came from, um, which is, uh, for him, a really good story. Brings back um, sad but happy memories of when he first came to the country. Uh, in 2009, he actually won Senior Australian of the Year, so um, on Australia Day. It was a very proud moment for him and the family. Um, his service to the community was, was a big part of that, obviously. He's a very charitable person, puts himself before... Oh, put, sorry, himself. Puts others before himself. Um, and to this day, 83 years old, still wanting to work, uh, still trying to do the same. So he's forever um, helping people and uh, doing right for the community. And in 2011, we opened our store. So um, it's changed a lot since then, and it will continue to change and continue to, we believe, be the benchmark of the industry. So... Um, I'm not well prepared for this, I had short notice, but I will do my best to not look down too much as I'm speaking, but I'll speak a bit about it, my experience of what I've learned, what uh, my grandfather has taught me, what my father has taught me, and it's key uh, to where we are today. Um, owning and managing your own business is very difficult, it's very easy, extremely rewarding, and could potentially be the worst decision you'll ever make in your life, but it's important that from before you start your own business, if you haven't already started it, you work that out. The most important part I find with myself um, in leading our team is that I work out my personal life first. So you can work seven days a week, 15 hours a day, but if you don't have a balance between your work life and your personal life, it won't work. It'll drive you crazy, simple as that. And for the first couple of years of the business, it did um, happen that way. Um, but, you know, you've got to make that sacrifice in the beginning um, and naturally improve on that. But sometimes I do struggle to find that balance. Um, I'm lucky enough to have an amazing girlfriend uh, who actually works with me as well, so she understands my, uh, my life and how it works. 
um, an amazing family. I work with them every day, and luckily enough, my older sister with her three little babies, they're there all the time. The youngest one turned one uh, two days ago, and I get to see them all the time, which is important for me. If I didn't have that in my life and at work, I wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It just, um, you will fall to pieces. A lot of people do uh, go through depression in the first couple of years of business because A, you're struggling to make ends meet, or B, you're just not happy. You're just not living a normal life. You see your friends go out on the weekends or going for coffee in the mornings. Unfortunately, in the supermarket retail industry, um, or most retail anyway, you don't have that ability. You know, look at Christmas time, there is no downtime. You can't go to New York during, you know, Christmas time and have a white Christmas, which I'm sure we'd all love to do one day. But that's okay. It's uh, important, though, where you can find that balance. Um, not many people understand how hard it is to switch off when, you're, when you are running your own business and leading 250 people. You know, every couple of months when I can, I'll try and go out for one of those relaxing massages and um, try and switch off. But uh, true to form, I just can't. I'm sitting there thinking about where I can do better, how I can improve um, ideas. But I am improving on that. I am trying to learn to switch. I'm learning to switch off more than I used to. It's it's important you do. Otherwise, again, you'll drive yourself crazy. You'll be having a conversation with someone out at a bar or at a family outing, and all you'll be talking about is work and football, which is important too. But um, <laughs> You need to find that ability to, to switch off and focus on other things in your life and find an outing, something that really gets you relaxed or makes you relaxed. For me, that's, that's football and it's golf. Just when I'm on the golf course, I do nothing but play golf. I don't think about work. My phone is there for emergencies, but I'm enjoying the, ser the serenity of it. Um, even though I'm not that good at it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, an, it's an outlet for me to, to switch off. Um, Especially when you've got a situation, and most of us will have it, um, where there's potential for injury. Um, taking care of your staff is so important and having the right OHS guidelines and um, I guess management of your staff around safety. We have forklifts at work, we have um, pickers, um, we have uh, you know, machinery. It's important that you, know, you don't let just anybody operate machinery or drive a forklift and you know, every day we worry about you know, is someone gonna back, 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 with a, back out of a room with a forklift and hit somebody? And we've got family walking around. It's uh, important that you have that um, safety aspect of your business and in, I guess in anyone who is a tradesman, um, being on work sites, injuries are probably the biggest cost for a trade business not just about the person being injured, um, but downtime. You know, you can't always replace an injured person with another person. You know, when you've got qualified chefs, you can't replace a chef who's burnt their arm with a person who can come in there and cook bacon and egg. It doesn't work that way. So it's important that the safety aspect of your business is there. Um, your health is very important when it comes to the business. I mean, a lot of people don't realise that getting your mind and your body in tune um, to focus and to really function at the levels required of a leader is so important. Uh, a lot of people just, when they are working that hard, will binge eat. They'll eat crap food, they'll go to takeaway joints and they'll snack on this and that. They won't stop and eat. Over the last three, four years, I've uh, learned a lot 
about, about myself and my health and stopping to eat rather than eat on the go or eat while I'm working um, is important. That helps you to tune out. I guess if you're, a lot of people don't realise, if you're binge eating, if you're not uh, relaxing while you eat, it's also good to stand up while you eat as well to help the body, uh, food digest. Uh, it really affects your body and your mind. I don't drink coffee. That was one of the biggest things I did. I stopped coffee completely from my, uh, my diet probably two and a half years ago and I can tell you it was the best thing I ever did. Um, I say 99% of the people in here drink coffee and you all rely on it for a morning wake up. Um, and yeah, I did before. We've got a cafe there and I'd have three, four, five coffees a day because it was right there in front of me. The coffee was good. But someone said to me a couple of years ago that, um, you know, I had some stomach problems at the time and uh, some stress problems. I was stressed all the time. I was getting frustrated. He said, do you drink coffee? I said, yes, I do. He goes, do you drink alcohol? I said, yes, I do. Uh, do you eat acidic foods? I said, yes, I do. He said, you need to balance your acidic and alkaline levels in your body. If you don't, you can't concentrate, you can't function, especially when you're trying to lead a team and um, make very important decisions. If your body is not functioning properly, your brain isn't functioning clearly. When you do drink excessive amounts of coffee, and for me, if I have even a little bit of coffee, I'll go off the radar, um, it plays with your mind. It doesn't help you to think clearly. And yeah, that might just be me. Um, but I do encourage people to try it. I uh, employ the services, of the services of this person to actually come into our business and talk to our staff about this. And I think half a dozen of the 250 got off coffee and I was happy with that. It cost a lot of money to get him to come, but it doesn't matter. Those six people, um, it's made a change to their life and it made a change to my life because they found that to them, getting rid of that acidic, acidic levels in their, in their, in their gut um, and that stress level really helped them make better decisions. So um, you'll find if you're an angry person or you get angry throughout the day, be it at your partner, at yourself or at work, um, it might be coffee. So it might be worth just, just yeah. <laughs> well, I stopped. I did for a year. I did for a year. Uh, I'm back on it now. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever get drunk, but I, yeah, it was definitely... Um, it was definitely important for me to, it helps you to understand your body better. If you um, don't understand your body, um, you, you can't understand your mind. And, you know, a lot of people wake up in the morning feeling lethargic. That's because of coffee. It is because your body's thinking, I need that coffee to get up. You know, you should wake up in the morning feeling like I don't need a coffee. So, um, for those who don't know where we are, we're only 11 k's out of the city, out of the Essendon Airport there. So, it's an easy access, um, well, it's easy access to get to. Um, the building when we first took over looked like this. It was, uh, that wasn't there, but it was, a, it was really, it was a, an average building. It was run down an old airplane hangar. Um, when my father first took me there uh, with the idea of opening up a, a massive fruit shop which turned into a huge supermarket, I thought he was crazy. Um, I think everyone thought he was crazy except for himself because we had no retail experience. We were um, wholesalers from the past and online retailers supplying fruit and veg to the uh, to Melbourne homes and to businesses and he had the vision, he, he looked at it and thought we can make this into something special um, I thought it was a bit nuts like I said and I didn't, I didn't have the vision but um, I didn't tell him that at first I kind of 
I went back and thought about it and I thought, how hard can it be? Um, well, it's difficult, but um, it's all about having that passion for what you do and uh, that want for more and to, to be the best. Um, it was eight years ago when we first had our, our online business, which was, again, supplying to homes, and um, it was going quite well. We were two years into it and uh, only employing 12 people, didn't require a lot of people, and we found we needed a bigger site, which is why we looked for another site. We found this and thought, you know what, let's do something different. Let's open up a supermarket. Let's be um, bold. And uh, we were. We um, employed 100 people from day one. So it went from 12 to 100 overnight, although it did take a while to build. Um, and it wasn't easy. The first probably year or two, it was um, a lot of work, a lot of issues. Um, but, you know... We stuck at it, we continued to, to make changes and improve our business and, strive to, and we were striving to be the best, simple as that. Um, wanting to be the best is, is a key factor for us. We don't just want to be like everyone else. We look at what other retailers are doing and um, there are great retailers out there. Um, in our industry, um, most of really good retailers and the great retailers are small. They're on a, in a small, on a small site in uh, great markets like the Preston market, um, the South Melbourne market, Paran market. The great retailers are in those places, but we wanted to find a, a way to bring people into one, one site and offer them everything. Go to the big retailers out there like the majors, um, and they, I, I believe they focus on the wrong thing. They focus on price. Um, they don't focus on customer service, which we all know, we all want customer service. We want to be, I guess, treated as if we're someone special. Um, we don't look at what they do and, and try and better it. We try and look at what they don't do, and we do that well. Customer service, quality, um, experience, um, providing customers with a different feel every time they come in. If they come into our store once a week, twice a week, for some, it's seven times a week. They come every day or once a month. We want them to feel like every time they come, they can experience something new. So we're forever looking at ways to bring them something new, something different, something exciting. Um, let them discover a whole new um, side to food. So at the end of the day, everybody eats. But, you know, for a lot of people, that experience is quite it's boring. You know, go home, cook a steak and veggies. It's not really uh, inspiring. I think everyone wants to be inspired, hence the, this massive push for MasterChef and uh, all the other TV shows. People want to be inspired and people want to do something different. Um, we've got some pretty good um, beliefs on what's important. Um, and our mission statement probably translates that you know, it's for the love of food, passion for quality food, quality ingredients, and customer service, which does not come from a manual, it comes from our hearts. And we've got that, I've got a picture of it, but up on our wall. Um, you can't fabricate customer service. It needs to be, be genuine. Anyone can go up to somebody and say, oh, hi, how you going? Can I help you? It's got to be more, how are you guys? Can I help you today? Do you want to hammer something? People can see through, I guess, that fake conversation. Um, and people relate that to trust, as Stefan spoke about before. They need to be able to trust that you're going to do the right thing by them. Um, and that goes with any industry, really. I guess um, we all know with tradesmen, as an example, you're going to let them into your home. 
How many of them do you actually trust? The problem is a lot of them don't, I guess, um, make you believe that they are trustworthy. They don't give you that service. So they kind of focus on, yeah, they have to do a good job, repair that pipe or um, hang that um, TV on the wall for you. But you need to be able to trust that they're going to do a good job every time, that they're going to be in your house and, look and respect your house or your business. Um, and then that way you're going to actually refer them to your friends. So if you're in the trade industry, you need to really focus on that trust, not just about um, the quality of your work. It's trust and then quality. But if you haven't got the quality, just don't bother. Do something else, really. So um, with our staff, we make sure they, they understand what we expect out of them with our, our objectives, our mission statement. They all firmly believe in it and... For my end, if they don't believe in that, I'd rather them not be there. They need to be on the same train as us. We've got a saying that my, my father always uses, we all need to be on the same train, going in the same direction. Not one of us get off at Flinders, one of us get off at Spencer. We all need to get off at the same destination. And I guess if you're not, everyone's going in a different direction and don't understand what you're about, um, the customers will see that. There's nothing worse than going to your favourite supermarket and one day getting, getting an experience and customer service from one staff member one day and then getting a complete different experience from the next one. Um, it only takes that one time for you to really change your mind and beliefs about, beliefs about that business. And with the staff, making sure that uh, you can give them back as much as you can without a massive cost. We provide lunch for our staff. Now, it's not a small cost. Um, luckily, we do have the food there, but we cook for our staff Monday to Friday. So we have a chef who works in the kitchen, um, builds uh, staff morale, I guess. It makes them feel more part of the family. We are a family-owned and run business. My, my parents are there every day. My sisters are there every day. My brother-in-law is there. His brother, his father-in-law, their brother-in-law. Um, I've probably got about 15 cousins that work there, friends. We try and make our, all our staff feel like they're part of that same family. Um, not just inside work, but outside of work. You know, getting involved without getting too personal, but, you know, try and build that relationship outside of work. It's important. So, you need to make them feel like our business is, our business is as much theirs as it is ours. Um, you know, accountability is important, uh, but they need to really feel it from within, not just from when you're telling them you've made a mistake. They need to hurt when they've made the mistake and strive to improve and to actually regain that respect that they feel they've lost. Um, we're lucky enough to have a lot of staff that really um, do want to work for our business, um, want to improve what we do. My father always told me from day one that if you want your staff to work for you, they need to love you. If they love you, they will do whatever you want. They will work to the nth degree. You know, they need to be your soldiers on the front line defending your honour so that your competitors can't come over the top of your wall and bring you down. And a lot of, a lot of businesses let that happen because their staff don't, I guess, um, support them and don't reflect what they believe. And that might not be your staff's fault. A lot of, time, a lot of times the, the leaders of that business um, don't lead, they boss. I mean, boss is a term that we use at work. We don't use at work. We try and put that aside. We're all leaders. Um, the best businesses in the world are, are, 
led by leaders, not by bosses. Um, I'm a massive Calvin fan, a huge Calvin fan. Over there, well done. Um, and as a Calvin supporter, I know we're, we're average, and I want to talk about that. It's important um, within our business. Um, Carlton have been average for the last four years. We were okay before that. Prior to that, we were even worse. And in fact, we're probably at our lowest point right now. The problem, I believe, in the last four years was we made the wrong decision with our leader. I'm not going to mention his name, but we all know if you are a sporting fan who Carlton's ex-coach was. And his problem was that he didn't let his staff and his managers lead. He didn't let them have a say, um, give their opinion, and actually support him on game day. His assistant coaches, being his managers and his captain, were kind of left aside to say, my way or the highway. Now, if I ran my business like that, the staff wouldn't respect me. They would go off and just say, he doesn't know what he's doing, I'm not going to work for him. What he needed to be doing is allow them to have their say. Let them make a decision, let them fail. If they don't fail, great. If they fail, they'll learn from it and let them learn from it. I guess from a player's perspective, and again, as, as if you're a sporting fan, you'll know that a lot of the Carlton players over the last couple of years who are better than what they actually have been playing put their reputation on the line and they didn't really care. They were playing poor footy. They didn't have their, their heart and soul into each game and they didn't care. And they're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to be there. They didn't care that, that their reputation was going to be tarnished and... Um, they potentially might lose a contract. What they cared about is about being respected, about being heard. And that goes with, with our business. If we don't let them, be, let them be heard, let them voice their opinion and give them a chance to trial or make a mistake, they, they won't work for you. And that's why players are leaving. They're moving over. And I went to a Colton function two weeks ago and Brennan Bolton, our new coach, was speaking. I was very excited about it. He, was, he spoke fantastic. And he spoke about um, exactly what I'm talking about now, letting the, the players lead, letting the players coach themselves. He's got to be there to guide them. You can only make so much money or do so much work with your own two hands. You need to let your, your staff manage and your staff lead. Um, if you want to make all the money with your own two hands, work by yourself. Don't bring in people because they will leave you. And the way we look at it is we want our staff to be working with us till the day they retire. And we do honestly tell them that. We want them to, this to be the last place they work. We don't want them to move on. If they're going to move on for their own benefit, that's great. But we want them to be a long-term thing, not a short-term thing. Um, I guess we are lucky that people do need to eat. Everyone needs to eat. Everyone needs to buy laundry powder. Everyone needs to um, buy chocolate, I guess. Everyone wants chocolate. Um, but we don't focus on what they do need because they will come for it. We focus on what else can we bring them. What else can we bring them that makes their, their food experience and their eating habits uh, enjoyable? Uh, two weeks ago we had a health week where we had um, people come in and talk about health food products, demonstrations um, about how they can benefit their lives. They're the kind of things that you'll get from the little retailers. The ones at the markets, uh, the big retailers don't focus on that. They just focus on what's cheap, what's cheap, what's cheap. They're going to be people who migrate to cheap. But you want people who are loyal because of what you're doing, not because you're cheap. 
they will migrate from your store to the one down the road for price. You know, um, I look at what Aldi are doing, and to be honest, although I don't, um, I guess, um, enjoy having international retailers come to the country, Aldi do do it well, but that's not our market. We look at quality, not that Aldi's not quality, but quality and fresh produce. Um, we look at the experience, the customer service, what we can do differently. We focus on the children. We look at how can we make it enjoyable for the kids. No kids like going supermarket shopping. But I can tell you now, the kids come to our shop, they love it. They come in, we have probably 20, 30 kids, um, customers' kids who wear a Lamana top when they come in. They want to wear the Lamana top. Men enjoy coming to shop. In the past, that's not all men, it's a bit of a generalisation, but a lot of husbands don't like to shop. They're coming in and they're making a day of it. You know, it's, we found a way to, I guess, um, inspire people with food and make them want to be coming to our business. Give them a reason that they can't go somewhere else to buy our beautiful cakes. You know, come in to buy the bread that we bring in. Um, our range of, I guess, local and uh, small batch and small um, business products. We've got a range of milk you won't find anywhere. Um, we're continually trying to find new things for our store that you can't find in your normal retail. Support businesses that don't want to be in the mass merchants and uh, don't want to be bastardised. They want their product to be respected. They want people to buy it because it's quality, not because it's cheap. Um, we don't sell $2 milk. It's been a huge push for Coles and Woolies over the last five years. We don't, we don't support it. It does not do well for the farmers. If any of you know any farmers here, trying to bastardise that product is possibly the worst thing that ever happened to their industry. Um, and we listened. When we had a farmer come in and tell us, it's great you support Australian produ producers um, and Australian manufacturers, but if you're going to support selling cheap milk, even though you're buying it from, from Australian producers, it's not going to help the industry. So we look at how we can support the, those local people, those local um, customers, suppliers, I guess, and improve everybody's business, not just our own. Um, although you need to be selfish in business, um, you need to also be unselfish as well. It's not all about, um, about you, but it's about the community and it's about um, how you can support other people. We're um, going through a process at the moment to improve our business again. We don't think we need to do it, but we want to do it. We're about to bring in um, new, new areas into our store. We just brought in a new juice bar. Um, we're about to expand our cafe. We've got a cafe inside our store, which is a great, has a great vibe and a great feel about it. Um, it's bursting at the seams at the moment. Um, and we don't need to expand it, but we want to. We want to give back to the customers. We're listening to what they want. Our customers want to feel... Uh, appreciate it when they come to the store. They don't want to just be a number or another person or a, um, just someone who's spending money in your store. I had a lady two weeks ago who uh, went to buy some protein in the uh, health food aisle and I saw her looking confused. I said to her, can I help you with something? She goes, oh look, I'm looking to buy some protein. Um, I think I've put on some weight lately. I said, what are you using it for? She goes, I'm putting it inside my juice. I said, okay. What are you putting in your juice? She said, I'm putting oats, spinach, um, celery, uh, almond milk, all these things, high in protein, high in fibre, 
high in vitamins and minerals. I said, well, you don't need protein. I said, there's enough in there, and if you're not actually using the protein, it's not going to be beneficial to you. All it's going to do is take $60 out of your wallet. Now, I convinced her not to spend $60 on my store, and to most people, you might think, well, what's the point of that? You need sales, sales, sales. That's not how it should work. We don't focus on making that $60 purchase. I'm focusing on this customer telling her friends about what the miner offer, that trust, that honesty, that transparency. I offered her to bring in her, her ingredients of what she's putting into that product to give it to me, and I'll provide her with the nutritional panel for what she's putting in there so she understands what she's putting in her body. And I can tell you now that's worth more than $60. 100% because she is now going to be a loyal customer to me. And I didn't do that because I'm trying to, I guess, do a shifty around the corner. I know the real benefits, but it's the right thing to do. We believe if you can't make money morally um, and be, do, the right, do the right thing about, by your customer, then you shouldn't be in business. If you're going to make money on the sly, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, I guess my time's about up. I uh, just want to finish with uh, one important part. For us, um, we strive for perfection. Although we're never 100% satisfied with what we're doing, um, the worst thing you can ever do is look in the mirror and be satisfied with what you see. Because the moment you do that, you're going to fall behind your, your competitors. I guess we want to be better, and once we are better, be better again. Always be behind, I guess, that standard, um, behind that identity shift, right? You want to um, make sure that you don't ever fall behind the eight ball and make sure you understand yourself. Have a genuine respect for yourself so that people can understand who you are, what your business is about, and they'll have a better perception about you guys and that will translate into success, not just dollars. So you need to focus on what's important about business, in my opinion. It's not about money, it's about being successful. Be successful, you will make money, and you will build your business. So, well done. Thank you. Well done. And, and, and let's just say that uh, I was on my way to the city for, uh, for an, uh, an activity last night, and Patrick rings me at about, it was about 8.30, quarter to nine last night. I'm saying, where are you, mate? He goes, oh, I'm still at work. We've just finished doing this, this, and this. I said, what time did you start? He goes, 6 o'clock. So some of the things that are, again, shared by someone that's not a you know, keynote speaker in the true sense of the word, someone that's as raw. And, and again, you remind me personally of you know, 20 years ago when I took over the family business and was given total leadership rights. And yep. everyone backed my decisions and followed them, even though some of them are not so good. So you, rem you remind me of that. Not that that's important for you, but what is ahead of you is phenomenal. So just keep on doing what you're doing. But more importantly, you know, the, the journey of leading and leading something that has an expectation. As much as um, Patrick suggests that, you know, you don't need to be selfish, the whole thing about selfish is goals. You've got to have bigger goals. You've got to be able to, you know, when you think about that Lamana, uh, and I love the story, and, and you know, we must respect our, our, our past, we must respect our heritage and what got us here, but you've almost got to be brave for what's going to happen next and how you're passing the baton on. And um, I just think, you know, just listening to that part of your story was phenomenal. 
But let's come back to you. Just a couple of questions um, from anyone in the room. We only have a couple of minutes, maybe time for one or two. Beck, yes. I'm very excited about all this. Um, sounds awesome. Do you, I've got a few questions, but I've got a single one. Um, do you, you say you want to inspire or you continue to inspire all your customers all the time? Do you guys have um, like regular demonstrations or classes you know, on a regular basis? Yep. We probably don't do as much as we'd like to. Um, I guess the thing is, we could do them now, but I want the right person. Um, we spent the first four years without a HR manager. So with 200 people at that time, um, we all handled the HR between ourselves. It was myself, my father, um, and a few other staff members, uh, management. Um, and I felt that we needed a HR manager. We weren't ready for it. We needed to find the right person that fit our mould. We're a bit of a different group. We are, we're very casual. Um, we're not never too serious. Um, and finding someone for HR role was very important. I believe we found the right person who fits our mould, understands what, what we're about, believes in what we're doing. And finding someone for that, um, we do have a demonstration lady who comes in and does demonstrations on the weekends. Um, but where I'd want to be one day is have the right person there who's, um, I guess, an entertainer as well as a chef or a cook, you know? Inspiring people, you need to kind of engage them. Um, we have demos every weekend from suppliers and a lot of them struggle to engage the customer. They think it's just about saying, you know, try this apple, you'll love it. That's not, it's, or just try it, don't worry about it. Just, just, just eat it, everyone comes past and picks up a piece of food and walks, walks away. Um, we need to find that right person. I've got goals in the next two years. I want to employ a nutritionist. That's for staff and customers to teach them about healthy living, um, give them inspiration for their cooking, for their, uh, for their healthy lifestyle. And moving on from that would be someone who would run those demonstrations. I need the right person. Um, we're just too busy right now to even look at using current staff and take away from what they're currently doing. But it's definitely something we want to be doing. So it's about set up. Dion. Uh, I love the story about innovation with your grandpa or possibly not. Yep, um, not so one. <laughs> uh, and I'm just thinking about innovation for the future. Yep. Companies like HelloFresh, uh, there's a lot of offerings now for home produce delivery. Are yep. you geared for that? Well, uh, that's how we started our business in the, in the uh, past. It's a very difficult, um, I guess if you separate that from retail and food versus online for a difficult industry. Um, you have to provide quality products, the right price, the service, the delivery. The key factor being uh, traffic, it really kills you. Um, and then make money. And it's really difficult. I've had a lot of companies approach me about doing joint ventures and um, restarting our online business again. It's not something that we want to focus on. Um, we get offers all the time for new stores, um, new sites, uh, new ventures, investing in this and growing with that. We just want to focus on what we're doing right here. We're continuing to reinvest in what we're doing, make our place better, um, improve our, our kitchen standards, our cooking standards, uh, before looking at anything else. It's not a never, but um, not a focus. Uh, I would highly suggest anyone that gets into that industry just to be careful. It's very, very difficult. Very difficult. Very cool. Well spoken. Guys, round of applause. Thank, Thank you so much, Patrick. Thanks, mate.
And welcome back. What an awesome sharing. I just love the rawness, but also the uh, to the point, I guess, you know, a very, a very young in age, but very wise and uh, progressed in, uh, in demeanor, I guess, um, f- sharing and feedback. And I totally love the fact that, you know, as his father said to him, if you want your staff to work for you, they need to love you. Have them defend your honor. And, and with that, you know, the importance of being really clear about the standard what is the standard that we are aiming for? What is the standard that we are growing to? What is the standard that we are not prepared to walk by? And again, it's not so much um, defending your honour, but it's definitely about what are we doing? What are we building? Who are we building it for? How do we know we're doing the right thing? How can we do this better? 1% better, continuous improvement. Totally KZN from top to toe, side to side. That is the only way you can grow a business. It's going to be a benchmark business. And in Patrick's case, multi generational with so many more de- so many departments and or facets to it so if you could uh, if you can dream and dream big anything is, is is possible be bold bold as genius magic and power in it begin it now I'm Stefan Kazakas business benchmark group empowering business owners to achieve continuous continuous business and life success. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education, and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 03-9001-0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.